Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. So I was going back through the backlog of episodes that we put out, and I noticed that I had totally forgotten to continue a series that I actually thought had a lot of promise, and that was our series on how to escape solo practice Groundhog's Day. So to recap on the theme that we were talking about, I was using the old Bill Murray movie Groundhog's Day, where the main character wakes up in the same exact day every single day because of a time loop. And I think this is similar to the situation that a lot of solos find themselves in, where instead of making you know 10 or 20 years of progress, they have the same year over and over again and stay above water, but generally don't move forward. It's kind of interesting too. A very recent guest who I thought was awesome, Steve Fretzen, said something to the same effect. There's some people who have 10 years of progress and there's some people who have the same year. So one of the big concepts that leads to what I wanted to discuss today is the concept of toxic revenue. So I first heard about this on a really old episode of the I Love Marketing podcast with Dean Jackson. It was one of those concepts that I wrote down on my iPhone uh, notes app, and I haven't really stopped thinking about it ever since because it keeps coming up. So toxic revenue is revenue that's coming into your law office that costs you more than it's worth. And this is technically true of any service business that you can think of. And more than it's worth is obviously relative to where you're at in the growth of your practice. But let's go through an example and kind of flesh out how this can happen. So let's say that you're attempting to niche down. Let's say you run an estate planning practice. You're trying to focus on advanced estate planning, asset protection stuff for Medicaid, that kind of thing. You've gotten to the point where you have successfully charged $7,500 for this sort of a package. And you know that you're capable of bringing more of these in and servicing them to a degree that you're comfortable with, with work that you're proud of, right? But let's also say in this example that you have an existing relationship with a referral service that sends you cases that you have to take at a fixed price. And let's say these cases for the sake of the exercise and easy math are will-based planning packages that you're allowed to charge only $750 for. And you can basically count on, let's say, two of these to come in per week. So here's where we get into the definition of toxic revenue. If you're looking at the numbers on your profit and loss statement at the end of the month in your zero or QuickBooks or whatever, you might be thinking, huh, you know, that's an extra $6,000 per month from the will stuff. But there are a lot of numbers that don't show up that can actually hamstring you, especially when we're talking about a solo practice. So a lot of people tend to focus on the time that they're billing and again, not necessarily we're talking about packages here, so not billable hours, but the time they're spending on delivering the product. And the time that you're spending on doing wills for the referral service is time that you could be spending elsewhere. So let's go with a ridiculous hypothetical. You're absolutely booked solid every hour of the week doing fulfillment. So the time that you spend on wills is time that you're not spending on the advanced estate planning stuff. So even if it takes you a quarter as much time to do the simple will, you're still losing over half of your billable per unit of time. Again, not billable hour because these are packages, but you get the idea. But that's really just the tip of the iceberg. And this is the first thing a lot of solos I don't think realize. It's obviously not as easy as just showing up and doing the work unless for the most part you're working for somebody else. But as a practice owner, you likely have to meet with these people at some point. And to get to the point where you have people to meet with, you have to sort through the cases you do and don't want, the whole lead generation thing and marketing to get these people, et cetera. So when you factor in the time it takes to intake clients, the numbers go up pretty dramatically. And here's the worst thing. 
you would have to talk to 10 people, even if we're just talking about showing up for a consultation that's on your calendar. You'd have to talk to 10 people instead of one to make $7,500 in packages that you're able to build in this example. So any gap in the time, even if it takes one quarter as much time, goes out in the wash and then some when you're factoring in the time it takes for the intake. And let's not even get started with collections and follow-up, which we all know gets harder You know, the lower you go in your price point. So from a time perspective, $7,500 collected from providing wills through your referral service is nuclear waste toxic compared to $7,500 collected from a more advanced trust. And the P&L is never going to show that. People usually just tend to look at the numbers. But I also want you to think about where that time could be going. And I think a lot of solos discount the value of their time way too much. But let's say, for example, if we're looking below the surface, the iceberg of all the follow-up and all that stuff that's required, if you're saving 80% of your time and headache to do a case that you actually want, you have a huge amount of time that's left over to reinvest in getting more of that kind of case, right? So this is kind of the problem with toxic revenue. It's sort of like golden handcuffs. Oftentimes you're keeping your bills paid, but it stops you from reaching a higher level. And I think this is a huge factor when we're talking about solo practices. And again, obviously we're talking about hours in the day, but there's also the energy that you need to get through tough, thorny problems, right? And I may have referred to this in previous episodes, but I, I call this in, um, you know, just with friends and business owners and stuff, burning dopamine, right? And I don't care how crazy of a study schedule you had in law school, you are limited on the amount of effective, creative problem solving that you're able to do in a, a week. And, you know, whether you're marketing online or developing partnerships or whatever it happens to be, you really need to be your best self to do that, which is much easier to do the more time that you have available on your plate. The bandwidth really, really does hamper your effectiveness. And toxic revenue takes away from that, right? So one of the things I want you to think about too, this is obviously a really, really binary, you know, niche one, niche two kind of situation, but running a general practice is a huge culprit of this. Um, doing general networking where you have to come up with all these, oh, hey, you know, I know you don't do this, but can you do me a solid because I tossed you this case earlier? That all adds up and becomes extremely toxic revenue and toxic relationships, which transitions me to my next conversation because we just went through an example of a toxic case type. But another thing to keep in mind is toxic clients. And, um, you know, when I said that out loud, there's a good likelihood that somebody just popped into your mind. If there is a client that you're dealing with that your partner knows from the dinner conversation that you're having at home, that is probably a toxic client. In the same way that a toxic practice type can cause more of a drain in time, you know, energy and other resources that the money that it's commanding, so can a toxic client. And it's kind of crazy to think about, but when you're a solo, the time and energy that you invest into maintaining that really, really tough toxic client relationship is literally the same time and energy that you can be using to find other clients, which would cause you not to need that toxic client, right? So why do we stay at the end of the day? I think it's the same for you know, anyone who's in a toxic relationship of another kind, right? It's because you don't think that you can do better, right? And I'm not going to get into the, uh, the depths of self-esteem for business owners, but I will say that practically speaking, taking action to get new clients is a fantastic way to take the pressure off of your current client woes, whatever they may be. And again, some state bars might make it challenging to, you know, end an attorney-client relationship. Make sure to, you know, check on that before you start firing all your clients, but you can get creative with how to not let this take your energy if you have to stay in one of those toxic client relationships. For example, one of the things that I used to do when I was the world's worst sales rep in the process of launching Case Fuel in stealth mode was I would wake up really, really early and work, uh, work on the business before I let 
my day job at the time take my energy, right? And it's a long time ago. <laughs> you can do the same thing with your toxic revenue though, or your toxic clients, right? So work on the stuff that matters for where you want to be first. Um, again, I'm assuming that your, your energy is best in the morning because that's how it is for me. But you might find yourself in a position where you don't have to answer to the people you don't want if you're making enough headway on the stuff that you do want. So again, I'm not really super great at pep talks on, on how to tell you what you're worth and all that stuff and how you deserve what you want in business. But in my opinion, like I said, the best validation is getting another paying client. Don't chase them, replace them. <laughs> so just remember the way out of toxic revenue is through it. You're always going to have the temptations to take toxic revenue. And you might even have months where you know you have to step backwards and take bad clients to keep the lights on. That happens to everyone along the solo journey. But as long as you keep your eyes on the prize and keep taking action to move forward, you're going to get to the point where you don't need the toxic revenue sooner or later. So that is that for today. Thanks everyone for listening. And I'll be back with you guys next week at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode. 